When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode number 95 of Good Humans Podcast with a good friend of mine, Julie Mitchell, absolute legend. You're going to love this episode. If it's your first time here today, thank you for tuning in. I hope you learned something today. Make sure you listen to today's episode with a curious mind. What could I learn from this episode? Julian's story is super inspiring. Hopefully, you can get some little positives out of it. I know I get a lot out of chatting to Julian as a good friend of mine, and it was epic to get to know his story. Big thank you to our sponsors, Drink a Rapper. They continue to sponsor this podcast, taking care of our brain, the neuroscience drink, short-term brain performance, long-term brain health with a couple of neuroscientists developing the formula. Plenty of clinical studies gone into it to prove that it works. It's the first of its kind. And I highly encourage all of my listeners to go check it out. Use the code GOODHUMAN for a massive 25% off. Their website is drinkarepper.com. It's also in the show notes. All right, Julian, this guy, I lived with him for a few years in Byron and then we obviously became great friends and yeah, he's doing some super interesting stuff. I didn't know too much about his past. After living with him for a few months, I never really got super in-depth about his past because I know so much about his present with the mushroom tincture brand Lifecycle, which he's a co-founder of. He was just super deep into that when I was living with him and I didn't know what he was doing too much before, but obviously listening to this chat, you're going to learn plenty about him. I learned so much about him from being a physio in the Premier League stepping out of his comfort zone, really going for it, to working in um, a different industry, doing a bunch of blood tests and samples, which then led him to wanting to go over to create his own brand, Lifecycle, which is just incredible stuff he's doing there. If it's your first time here, make sure you go and hit like and subscribe. It helps this podcast get into more ears. It's a massive, massive benefit to me, all of these episodes. Um, I'm learning so much and I know you guys are too. So please just tell one friend about it. That's the way that we get more people listening to it and build this community of good humans. So let's jump straight into today's episode. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Julian Mitchell. Hey, go, mate. Coops, good to be here. Good to see the journey you've been on since you started. I know. You, <laughs> you were there from the very start. It's um, It's really cool that we're finally getting to sit down and do this. You've been on my list of guests that I really want to get on, but I recorded my first episodes literally like in the same house as you because we used to live together in <laughs> Who was Byron. that one with? I did it. I recorded like Alex in there. Yeah. Um, who else do we have to the house? Did you do Kerwin at all? No, nah, yeah, I should didn't. get no, Kerwin on I know, point. I need yeah. to get Kerwin on. Yeah. He's on. Yeah. He came over and the boys did one and then never even put it out. And I like, <laughs> ended up actually going through with my podcast. But anyway... But yeah, I guess so people get to know who you are. We lived together when we I lived in Byron Bay, early COVID. We moved into a house with like five guys. And I think you were the only one I didn't know prior. Became good friends. You're doing amazing stuff in um, the world of mushrooms, which we will catch up to. But you've also got a very interesting story. And it's quite funny from living together for four months. I was thinking about it before we did this podcast today going like, fire out. I know m- bits and pieces of your story, but... I definitely don't know the whole thing, so we're going to get to know it today. Sure, let's do it. Let's do it. So the first question I open Good Humans Podcast with is, what are you grateful for right now? Right now, I think it's health, you know, physical, mental health, um, because I think there's just so much happening in the world, so much going on, and uh, I think, yeah, just you can get reminded when you get sick or when you hear someone getting sick, you take it for granted. Mm. And so that's the base of being able to do anything on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same. Great for our health and yeah. having the resources and also the knowledge around us to be kind of sifting through the bullshit of what health kind of is in our days. And Exactly. Yeah, you're somebody actually who I've learned a lot about health from, from living together, the products that you create to... Um, just your view on the world is something that, and I'm sure you'll agree, man, you've had some amazing conversations <laughs> over the last couple of years just kind of dissecting through the bullshit which we get fed through the media and everything else and you're very open and aware of quite a lot of what's going on. So 
I appreciate all the chats we've had. And you taught me how to play chess, so. Yeah, and you taught me how to lose now. <laughs> <laughs> Goes full circle. <laughs> oh, but something I do kick the podcast with off. You said you haven't actually tried a repper, so Drink a Repper is yeah, our um, sponsor. The brain drink, nootropic drink, um, developed by neuroscientists, millions of dollars of clinical studies. It's a New Zealand neuroberry, a New Zealand black currant, and then also L-theanine in a pine bark extract. Um, yeah, I've had their chief um, neuroscientist on a couple times, but yeah, cheers. See what you oh, reckon. Cheers. Yeah, it looks good. Um, and is this just a huge opportunity for these guys and similar brands or products just to disrupt You know what's in the marketplace now? Think of when you go into you know, a service station now, there's just literally nothing in there that's good for you. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> it's I was thinking about even nothing. like you go to the airport and yeah. it's like you've got bags of chips, you've got things of lollies, you've got chocolate, you've got soft drink, you've got energy drinks yeah. and maybe some iced coffees. Yeah. And it's like yeah, it not great. one thing actually has any nutritional benefit mm-hmm. for us, but products like drink a rapper yeah it's great to be disrupted in the market as well life cycle which will catch up to your amazing product just things that are literally trying to make people's lives better rather than create a product put it straight direct to consumer and then kind of work backwards with your marketing to make it look like it's healthy mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly you don't have to sugarcoat anything yeah um with a product like that so yeah i'm sure they're doing well yeah so i'll um get you a bunch to take home as well because i know you're very big on taking care of your brain your health and and nootropics as well as such an area it was a bit you know fatty you know years gone by so it was biohacking but it's just a a no-brainer for everyone now Mm. you know you just want to feel better perform better um and if you could choose a monster or a rapper or you know Instead of a Coke, just getting something that's delicious and not sacrificing taste, mm. but not getting those sugar highs and all those other chemicals in them, then it's a no-brainer. That's what I mean. There's just no nutritional benefit in like so much of the stuff that we consume. Mm-hmm. But now with products like this, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. But let's get into your story. Sure. I've um, known you for a couple of years now, but I didn't know you obviously growing up. So let's rewind back to the start. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? What was life like as a kid? Sort I came of out of the womb. It was pretty wild. No, <laughs> <laughs> no um, that sort of yeah, early yeah. period of for your sure, life. For sure, Developmental stages. Pretty, pretty stock standard Aussie kid growing up. Love sport. Love being outside. Love being with my mates. Like, you know, all of those things. Playing footy, playing cricket was sort of like... Perth? In WA, yeah. yeah down south. Um, in like the oh. southwest of WA. Nice. So like town called harvey on the way to margaret river so we played margaret river and footy and that that little area i guess was where i grew up not into into surfing so much um just more ball sports for whatever reason um and so yeah anything with you know table tennis cricket tennis football that was what i did growing up went to a cricket academy for a couple of years because i was really into that and you know looked up to shane warne and looked up to brett lee and looked up to all those legends on the wheat bix box you know mm. thinking that i was doing the right thing by eating wheat bix but that was that was weird that it's uh <laughs> When the truth comes out. But anyways. Um, What's the truth with wheat bix? No well, I just don't. I think that one of the worst things you could have in the morning is wheat. Is wheat. You clog up your system. And, yeah. And even now, I don't even eat breakfast. You know, yeah. fasting just makes me so clear in my brain. Yeah, me too. Um, so, yeah, just that stock standard Aussie childhood, I guess, uh, which was a very lucky, great family environment. Um, lived on a bit of property, a bit of acreage. So Siblings. had horses, had a sister. Had some cows, had some chickens, so like that kind of, I guess, childhood. Um, and then from there, yeah, played footy. In my high school years, that was what I did. That's what I sort of wanted to maybe go into playing AFL and went and played a bit of like waffle colts and reserves and but I had a few injuries. Um, but at the same time, so I spent a lot of time in the physio's office. Yeah. Um, and so that inspired me to, okay, well, if I can't be an elite athlete, how do I stay in that environment? Because I really enjoy high the culture of yeah. high performance. And so you sort of, yeah, went and got into physio, studied physio. So that was, so what about high school? So you finished, mm. got to the sort of end years of high school and you thought physio sport was going to be the career path? It's a good point because, like, yeah, I was a terrible student, probably from like all the way up till year nine and then i got a girlfriend who was very smart and so i didn't want to like look out of place and she inspired me to you know start to pay attention but prior to that i was thinking oh i'll be a sparky or a carpenter or a cabinet maker without any real idea of thinking about too much like you know just that's what people are doing mm. and it looks but i would have been the worst sparky or carpenter or cabinet maker <laughs> in history you know what i mean so um that was a bit of a delusion but yeah just through her i guess motivation and not wanting to look out of place um started paying attention in school 
Um, and I guess with that background and love in, for competition, just applied it to schoolwork, mm-hmm. you know, just like hours on hours, weekends on weekends in the year 11 and 12, you know, just sacrificing to that. Um, got some good results. Not good enough to get into physio straight away. So then I did another year in um, biomedical science to then get into uh, physio, which was, I still remember that getting a letter, you know, uh, at the house I was staying at with some mates and it just said to go into physio. It was a, a big moment because I've wanted to do that for a few years. Yeah. And I guess it was like that block of like, you know, I didn't have a lot of family members necessarily go to university or even care for it. Mm. Um, but that was a big thing getting to university, but it's just, you know, when you achieve something you've worked hard for for a long time, it builds confidence. Yeah. And then that cycle can build more confidence versus the other way. Conversely, if you get knocked down, you know, I think a lot of people in their teenage years, even earlier, even adulthood, early adulthood, and if they have some failures, it knocks them down mm. and then they can be deterred from that. And conversely, if you've had some wins, you keep building that confidence. And so I guess that's what happened through, you know, being good at sport, which is always gives you notoriety in high school and stuff. Mm. So that helps yeah. um, build confidence. Then from that, taking that to, to, to education, then taking that to getting into physio, um, because I wanted to go down that elite path of performance, just fascinated with human performance. How do we push the envelope um, and how do we achieve goals in that space? You know, I remember watching the World Cup, Socceroos, watching Cahill and Kuehl and these guys, you know, represent Australia and, and do amazingly well. And I was like, they wanted to be the head of medical for the Socceroos. That was sort of the goal um, early on. And um, yeah, went through physio. Worked how was that at uni? Big uni degree? Physio? It was very intense. intense. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably skimming. I don't really no, no, dive too much into the high school uni stuff. It's like it's it's, it's hard it's to good bring to it back do. Up. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, good it's, to do it's, it. It's yeah, a yeah, reflect it's, back. You skim like... past it, but like a lot of defining pieces from there. Yeah, you know. And I was even thinking the other week around you know, like what do you take from your teenage years that has positively impacted you today? Mm. And one for me that's quite funny. You know, uh, maybe it's just to justify it, but a lot of gaming a lot of strategic gaming, mm. um, like not so much first point shooter games, but Age of Empires, um, Red Alert, Command and Conquer, where you would, you know, build economies, build bases, build, you know, facilities, essentially build cities in a build way and build communities yeah. and there's more strategy involved in it. And I guess like I see very much a role of a CEO similar in a way. You're, you're managing many areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's in terms of going back to reflecting on all those pieces but let's talk about with um just with physio you say oh my goal was to be the head of mm. the socceroos there's a difference between wanting to just go and be a physio and mm. get your degree and just go and start a practice mm. and wanting to go in that high performance realm and it's obviously very um competitive as well especially being someone quite young because i know you did end up in some good roles so what were you doing at uni that you feel might have been a bit different to your average person who just wanted to get into physio and start a practice to help mm. people? Mm. I think, yeah, what I learned from those teenage years was when I was playing footy, you know, I played against a lot of kids that got drafted, much more capable than me, much better than me. But, you know, in under 16s, under 14s, under 18s, you know, I did have some great wins against those guys. And I think it was just that old cliche of out being outworking them. You know, I just out like preseason was full on for me. Like, as, like I just took it very seriously yeah, as yeah. a kid. I was just out training, and I think when it came to studies, I was out studying a lot of people who were way smarter than me because yeah. I didn't have that natural talent. You yeah. know, and and I heard Rogan and Huberman, no, was it Rogan and Goggins talk about it the other day on the podcast the talent bubble, and for sure I see it within friends. You know, where they have this talent early on. And I've seen it over the last 10, 15 years where they've had this talent, whether it's for soccer, Aussie rules, cricket intellect and they haven't reached their potential because the talent gives them this like sort of false sense of security mm. they were talking about it in reference to fighters these fighters were just amazing in their first couple of fights and then their careers just fall off a cliff yeah because the talent bubble pops at a certain period of time yeah um and so i guess yeah my childhood was just there wasn't much talent bubble there if i'm honest and i was just working always work i was hard. just working hard and it's a very cliche thing to say but it's just like rings true i guess it's true there's a lot of great science there's a book called grit by angela duckworth mm. that talks all about that there's a lot of great um a lot of great data now to show that people especially in like the american army and stuff and navy seals like it's not necessarily the one who like aces the exam who aces the physical it's the one 
who will keep going once mm. like the chips are down. It's like the grit and determination outweighs the talent almost every single time. Yeah. Which is interesting, like yeah. to learn read the literature behind it. So that's mm. a good book, Grit by Angela Duckworth for anyone. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, let's talk about getting towards the end of uni. Where did you see that next chapter of your life going, like work wise? Did you have like a work lined up? Were you doing well at uni and it sort of found some good interest? Uni student stuff? in physio, just you know, the occasional distinction, but a lot of credits and yeah. um and that's fine. Yeah. In a way. But I guess I spent a lot of time outside of that uni hours being a physio or trying to be a physio and I was very lucky I volunteered a lot of time early on in first and second year to um, some of the state soccer teams football teams um, by football I mean soccer but um, you know and then a, a lucky break that there was a gap with Perth Glory to help with their junior teams so you know it was year two learning about an ankle injury during the day and then in the evening or in, in the morning training session I'd be doing it Treating, you know, so yeah much more practical, I guess, and yeah, just because of that hunger and that of desire to help out and and do you know free work essentially, um, it landed me a job in my late second year of a four year degree working under the Perth Glory physio, um, just learning, you know. Mm. And so I was, to be fair, I was miles ahead um, because I was getting that like learning in real time with you know, a, a great athletes. Mm. I think there's such a great lesson in that. The idea of like putting yourself out there and doing work for free, but like flipping out of your mindset that you're doing work for free. It's like you're investing in your future. Yeah. Like, like you said, you probably wouldn't have had those opportunities if you weren't doing the free work after yeah. that this new opportunity pops up. Like and so many yeah. people like don't want to work for free because they're like, yeah. Oh, it's my time. But it's like an yeah. investment. It's an investment. Exactly. Yeah. And I was getting paid to be fair, you know, so I would have, you know, I say work for free uh, maybe for the first six months. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then that opened the door because I was there at the right place, right time. Yeah. Um, and they were willing to invest in me, and so yeah, I was to, I was getting paid to do it. I was traveling around Australia, um, with all the state teams. I was going to the AIS at least three times a year. Yeah. You know, so I was just in these elite environments but early as 20s. a student. You know, as a student, usually all the other guys from all the other state teams were four years out of uni doing that. Yeah. So I just had you know right place, right time, committed to it, and that sort of helped propel that and then in I think maybe third year for my 21st maybe second when my 21st instead of having a party I just said my parents get a ticket to and a trip to England and I just sort of like cold called all the Premier League teams and um, from there like three wrote back saying yeah you can come for a week and and learn from us and hang out with us I went to Bolton Sunderland up north, like, you know, getting off a bus, you know, and train, flying to London, go up north, cold as I've ever experienced, like in back streets of nowhere. It's like, what are you doing type of thing? But amazing experience working with these elite clubs. Um, and I did a week at each. I did a week at Wolverhampton as well. Came back, studied, learned, kept doing the stuff. And um, then I like, got a call in my final year to say there's a job offer at Wolverhampton. Would you be keen in interviewing? And I interviewed and got it. Wow. So and that was sort of how in the worked. Premier League are they? Like, they were in the Premier League. They were on top of the table when I went over there. They, were, wow. they, they bet Manchester. They bet um, Chelsea. That's like first time in a number of wow. years that they were on top of the table. So I was like, didn't just finish my exam. Three days later, fly out. And I'm treating like EPL players, you know, who are, you know, Scottish representatives, you know, multi, on, multi-million dollar. They're on £100,000 a week. And he comes in. One, I remember one at Christoph Berra, who was a Scottish international, comes in in the first like three days that I was there. All the other physios were out on the training field. It's like, oh, Jules, my back sore. Can you treat it? And I'm just like, you know, trying to think what, what to do in a way. But um, just throwing yourself into the deep end. And yeah, yeah lucky got that break and dream job to sort of get straight off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. So what was that like moving? So you packed up life, what, 23 years old, moved to England yeah. to be the physio. Follow my dream. Yeah, follow my dream. Yeah, so. Man, that's so cool that you just like cold called, like, yeah, it, it's like you kept creating opportunities. So many people are sitting back waiting for that phone to ring, but it's yeah. like you've yeah. really got to put yourself out to create those. Like mm. if you didn't go and do those one week at each of those clubs, yeah. or even if you did one week with two of them, you might have done the one with the one that you end up getting the job. So it's like yeah. really giving yourself those opportunities. Yeah. I think that's so cool. So what was that like going to live in England as a early 20s just living the dream yeah. living the dream like you know you're with all your physio mates you know i'm what, what do you oh, i'm gonna go work in the hospital i'm gonna go work in the clinic i'm gonna go work in the premier league like you know it's probably yeah it was just perfect i guess from a, a dream point of view and i went and did that and enjoyed it and you know that whole environment was just you know 
where money flows in medicine and health and performance, it's where you get the best of everything. And mm. so we were working with, you know, our, our, the psychologist at the team was the psychologist for the England football team, um, the best surgeons in the UK and London we worked with, the best of wow. everything, the best equipment. And so phenomenal work environment mm. um, for high performance and, and fun as well. And you know, I'd, I was a young guy, so I'd go out with the players, you know, go to parties in London and clubs and it was just obscene, you know. It's just like bottles of, you know, champagne and whatever for, you know, 30,000 pound, 40,000 pound a bottle. <laughs> so there was a very surreal life and it's good to experience it early because then you sort of realise, okay, is that what it's I really not what want? you want. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. So I got to taste it early and, um, yeah, just put in a lot of work. I remember being burnt out there, to be honest, because I was yeah. young, I'm single, I'm just like, I'm just going to work flat out. I worked like 30, 40, 50 days in a row at times um, and just to really push, mm. just to try, okay, get to head of medical. And I was on track for yeah, that. So what was your mental health like through this stage? Like you're pretty young, question. you're yeah. like getting thrown in the deep end with a lot of responsibility, like dealing with injured players mm. with multi, multi-million dollar contracts. Like there's a lot on the line to be getting them back in time mm. for the mm. next game. If there's a small injury, like yeah. how'd you handle that pressure being so young? Had a good ecosystem, you know, cause I wasn't head of, head yeah. of medical there. So I had a good uh, mentor base there and, you know, Steve Kemp, who was the head physio there, who gave me the opportunity, you know, it was a great mentor and learned so much from him and he's head of medical for England now. So, you know, I was just in such a lucky environment to be working with, with the best of the best. And so I guess I was bouncing off them and it was a team effort. Mm. But there's multiple issues with, or challenges when you're working with elite athletes is one, they're elite and they know they're elite and so there's huge ego there. So you've got to win their trust. Yeah. And if they don't trust you, they feel that they can't trust you with their body and their, then that will fall down straight away. Yeah. And then you've got the coaching staff as well that have enormous pressures. In the Premier League, you'll get sacked after four games of poor performance. Mm. You know, so like every game matters. And so it's like he's got a hamstring. He's not good. For two, three weeks, it's like we need him this week. Yeah. Otherwise, if we lose again, I'll probably get sacked. He doesn't say that, yeah, but that's yeah. the reality of it. It's and crazy. that happened during our season. So, yeah, high pressure. But, um, yeah, I loved that environment. I guess the main piece, that's the reason why I left after – you know, a couple of seasons was, I just didn't see the long term for me in that environment, you know, in terms of uh, family, you know, being away in temp, you know, because as a physio, when the players are not playing, you're with them or you're working on them, yeah. you know. And so in the off season, when you, sh you know, they're off having holidays and you should be having holidays yourself, you're usually working with them to get them back for the season. So yeah. it's, it's intense in that nature. And I guess the balance of, you know, thinking that was my dream actually wasn't my dream yeah what was the turning point where did you get mm. to a point where you're like you're living what you thought was your dream mm. and then what was there a moment that you're like you know what this isn't for me because like mid-20s probably invested a bunch of money in your career for um physio yeah. invested a lot of time of your early mm. 20s and life over there must be a big decision to make to yeah. say you know yeah. what this isn't the direction for me exactly yeah over a little while and you, i guess you just like you know reflect on yourself and go hmm am i flourishing mm. you know am i flourishing in this environment and and if i'm not in the short term that's okay can you turn that around but do you see a long-term ability to live you know the life that you want i guess in simple terms and it wasn't that and to be fair england you know it's not a place i want to live long term mm. being an aussie kid growing up in with space and close to the beach and used to the sun, even yeah. that just killed me, you know. Yeah. I guess to January, you haven't seen the sun in three months. And it's not like a typical expat where you're in London and you can go to Barcelona for two weeks. You're yeah, traveling you're every week in yeah. the game. So, yeah, that was just, that was that piece. So, I guess I came back to Australia, probably like, you know, without being dramatic, like it's just like quarter-life crisis, you know. 25, like, oh, that was what I wanted to do. You know, I was within reach um, because I was hanging out with the head of medical at Liverpool, who was an Aussie guy. Yeah, you would have been probably on track to come not, back and be yeah, like the sufferers and exactly, exactly, eventually. Exactly. Come back and working with the guys at Chelsea. I had some mentors from Formula One who were looking after Lewis Hamilton. So it was like right in the in, in the zone of like yeah, everything you want. You're just like in there. And I, I can't believe yeah. that I live with you and I haven't questioned you about this. You yeah. keep a very quiet your physio career. Yeah. We lived together I and I didn't see it. one little bit of a treatment for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's PTSD. No, it's oh, not. Yeah. I, I do love it. It's a phenomenal career but, but it's not just, calling yeah, anymore yeah. so came back and just you know picked up a job as a health consultant really enjoyed that and it's funny that a lot of that was in men's mental health 
Um, so I was working for a Rio Tinto, a big mining company, and looking after their you know male staff and female staff. Still to do with physio, or did you kind of have a side holistic. degree? Holistic. I was doing testing. a lot of blood work, yeah, testing bloods, um, doing a lot of nutrition. I did a lot of um, suicide prevention. You know, I was talking to guys on different topics. You know, it's funny. This was like yeah, again, ten years ago in mental health. Talked to a group of tradies or a group of engineers or a group of managers that worked for a mining company about mental health. You walk into the room and they'd all just be sitting there and put their hat down and go to sleep. So it was like such a challenge to get them awakened to yeah. mental health. And I guess I just reframed it into you know, human flourishing yeah. and living a great life and having a great life. And why would you not want to pay attention to that? And I sort of gamified the talks a little bit. Yeah. So it was fun because it was really high school energy, you know, where you had to pick out who were the alphas in the room and to be honest, just go after them a little bit. Mm. And once you win those guys over, either challenge them or win them over, then the rest of the group awakens. Yeah, That was fun. That was interesting psychology, but it was very rewarding to help guys through that to support guys through that to work together i think there's no nothing more rewarding than somebody having a perspective change mm. like somebody seeing the world completely differently because of something you've told them i think is like the most rewarding thing you can do yeah and, and it was like you know you'd leave and you wouldn't get any feedback but then you get an email from one or two or you know i've had, had cases where a manager would call me in, you know, who's looking after 60 guys, high-performing guy, you know, and you'd, you see on the surface hard as nails and all of this type energy, but he was suicidal, mm. you know, and he'd been planning to commit suicide. And so I was just first point of call with that and I'd been training that through, you know, a group of psychologists that we worked with. It's trying to expose people. And just have those own. conversations. Yeah. But I'd be in these conversations for six hours with a guy that wants to commit suicide and had been planning it on the weekend, um, but he's got a family and it was hugely intense, mm. um, and you were super drained after it. It'd be harder than twenty-six um, year old as well. Yeah, and I'm not there to have any answers, or yeah. you know, um, but just someone to talk to. And I'd been trained in how to sort of go through those processes, um, but it was seeing the reality of humanity mm. and what people are going through behind the scenes, and realizing everyone's got shit that they're going through. Everyone's got a backpack, so it just really bring that human element, which I really enjoyed because yeah. it was real and. Um, it was helpful. You were have you were helping people, but then I guess the corporation environment um, was limiting in yeah. you know throw ideas out. Um, you know, depending on the economy and how the company is going as a whole, depended on how much you invested in those areas. Mm. And because they're in the intangible space where you can't a CFO can't measure it. Yeah. You go, oh, it's you know, we got we got to cut that. Funding, we got yeah. to cut that. So we got to limit it. And so I guess. Going back to childhood, you know, going back to the, the early, early childhood, like some funny stories around just being super disobedient as probably most Aussie, Aussie and most boys were. Um, so I've always had an element of disobedience, but it's trying to channel that in the a right way where you're not hurting anyone or yeah. harming anyone. But you just sort of like, hmm, that doesn't seem right. I mean, just challenging the status quo. Challenging the status quo. And I guess all like people who are, you know, um, entrepreneurial which we all are in our own ways um there's got to be a healthy level of disobedience mm. we should celebrate that more so i guess yeah that corporation environment was too confining suffocating it was amazing i had a very easy life 186 days of the year i worked and i sort of calculated it out i worked half the year could travel all around the world plenty of time off got extremely well paid um so life was easy yeah and i was 26 27 i was like this isn't it you know, and I even had a beautiful girlfriend at the time, beautiful life, and I'm just like... Living back in WA. I'm just, yeah, living in WA, it's easy. You know, I don't need to do it. Like, you know, white picket fence, good to go, yeah. Labrador, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, the dream. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you, so it'd be like, this is like, this is not it. Yeah, this you know, there's more, there's more, there's more. I've got more to give in a way. And so, yeah, which my good mate Ryan, who I was working with at the time, who was a health consultant, we just started spitballing ideas at work. And, um, yeah, we come up with life cycle, I guess, and just what we were passionate about. Yeah, so let's um, talk about life cycle. So you're working at this Rio Tinto, you're late 20s, like doesn't sound like you've got any business knowledge yet. You've worked in corporations from the Premier League to Rio Tinto. Where, what was that first step with life cycle? And I guess let's explain what life cycle is and mm -hmm. what it was back then, 10 years ago. And then we'll obviously catch up to what it is now. Yeah. Today, yeah, just in a couple of sentences, it's, you know, it's a mushroom biotechnology company focused on making high quality extracts 
And back then, when we first had a life cycle on, you know, whiteboarding it at, at the at the job we were working at, yeah. Um, you know, we started with hydroponics and aquaponics with the idea of how do we feed the future? Yeah. How do you feed seven yeah. billion people? Yeah, because how does the why start with this? Because obviously, someone who works in physio works in human um, performance and health would obviously start to see all these different products, stuff like a repper, stuff like your product now, mm. which have massive benefits for like biohacking our health. So where did you first get exposed to this idea of biohacking our health and finding products that have been used for thousands of years, mm. but we've almost lost it now that there's pharmaceuticals that can create a product from a chemical and then feed it to on bulk for profit. Yeah, and, there's, and, and I guess doing the blood work at Rio Tinto, I would have done, you know, 2,000 blood tests on yeah. males and done before and afters. And so I've seen the data of taking someone's blood, giving them this nutritional plan and this exercise or giving them this and this. And the stuff that was recommended never got any results. Mm. So at that point, like, you know, keto was super early, paleo was super early, carnival was super early, but especially with a lot of the Vegan indigenous men, you know, they were, you know, who were borderline diabetes, had diabetes, had heart disease, had blood pressure, had all of these things. And then you look at the, sort of the prescription of the, the norm and the mainstream and you would do their blood test and you just get not really any results. And so, yeah, I guess I was a bit, you know, entrepreneurial, disruptive, whatever it is, you know, I would just like try different things um, with these guys, you know, that they would talk about what they ate as a kid growing up. They'd eat Guyana, they'd go out bush, you know, these, these indigenous lads lived on the land out there and then I started working for the company and started eating a more mainstream diet and they started getting sick. And then, mm. so we just went back to the roots of that. Um, and there was plenty of science at that time and plenty of media coming out around that paleo idea and keto idea. And and then, you know, you just do the blood work and you see if it works or not. Yeah. And so that was sort of part of the, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, that probably started the biohacking. It was the nutritional part. Yeah. Mm. And from my point of view, yeah, then I started learning with my own performance breakfast is slowing me down it's not actually giving me any nutrition actually we know today that you know the more you eat the faster you age and if you can fast for periods of time you activate certain genes for longevity and anti-aging and so actually feeling hungry we should encourage that more it's good to feel hungry it's good to get in the ice and feel cold we need to put our body outside of those comfort zones if we're living within the comfort zone of aircon three meals a day you know plenty of carbs plenty of you know, sugars, not, let alone, like we said at the start of the talk, like everywhere you go, there's bad food. Mm. So just doing Can't that's biohacking. It. Just yeah. escaping that is biohacking in today's it's just age. conscious eating. It's yeah. like yeah. looking at a label. Like I went to buy um, oat milk the other day for my coffee and every single oat milk has some sort of rave seed, canola, some yeah. sort of oil. I'm like, yeah. fuck. Yeah, so we don't need to get too advanced on it. If yeah. we just actually cover the basics, Be aware we'll of go, things a long, like, go a long way. Yeah, but the, the addictive nature is... You know, yeah. and the convenience and the price, it all it all sort of comes into one. But going back to yeah, that's probably where the biohacking started. Was yeah. was that? So you're going to pay for it now a little bit more, or you're going to pay for it later in doctor's bills? So it's like, yeah, what is like? What did I hear the other day on one of the podcasts? It's like you either pay the farmer now or you pay big farmer later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I heard someone say that the other day too. Which you know, there's is a place for it all. Yeah. You know, modern medicine has done phenomenally well with antibiotics and all of these pieces to help us. Um, we just need to know when to use what for the right piece, mm. and I guess, you know, prevention. Because I'm always interested in human performance. Yeah. Optimization um, means you know what prevention. Yeah. So why mushrooms? Where did you find mushrooms? We were looking at hydroponics, aquaponics, and these two words mean like growing your greens and your foods at home um, through these sort of advanced vegetable gardens, if you like. Yeah. Um, but then we came across mushrooms, and we just saw all the opportunity there. You know, it just ticked every box in terms of low carbon footprint, you know, no antibiotics, grow no pesticides, go super quick. You know, you can grow in urban environments. How do you, you know, because at that time I was sort of coming out with these, you know, fake meat burgers and the veganism thing was really kicking off. And it was like, okay, well, you know, and going back to all the blood work I'd done and reading a lot of texts on, you know, ancient, you know, communities and tribes and indigenous tribes and communities and there's some phenomenal books out there. It's just like that makes more sense to me, you know. Mm. Um, and so going down that natural path, everyone can agree with mushrooms. Whether yeah. you're vegan, herbivore, carnivore, whatever the hell, mushrooms are good. Yeah. Um, from a planetary point of view, amazing. Um, so it was tick ticking all those boxes. 
And so we went, and there was not really anyone, you know, growing um, functional mushrooms, these gourmet mushrooms. And so we started growing them um, at home in our and kitchen. Had there been some studies that there was like health benefits to different mushrooms? Because people right now listening might just think, oh, it's just like portobello mushroom for the thing. Mm. What, there's probably thousands of how many different mushrooms? Yeah, there's are there? over 5 million species. Wow. You know, okay. they outnumber plants eight to one. Wow. With, um, you know, in terms of a couple of fun, fat, fungi facts, and, you know, we only really know what 5% of them do. Wow. So there's a whole, it's a whole, it's an uncharted continent. And if you speak to most people in biology and human biology and science, the, the fungi kingdom has really been left out. And not many people can talk to that as well as they can talk to plants and animals mm. and these kingdoms. And so there's a huge opportunity there yeah. um, to discover what potential there is. And so that was really why it's like reading business books as well as reading, you know, books around mushrooms. It was like they synced up perfectly mm. as to what you should look for in a business. And also, most importantly, what resonated with us because Ryan and I started a few businesses, side hustles before that just didn't work out because we didn't have the passion, you yeah. know, and so that's what really happens. It's going to get really hard and difficult at some point and it's like, do you want to be doing that on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Friday night, Thursday night, you yeah. know, that's the reality of it. And so thankfully, I guess we learned, okay, we've got to do something we're really keen to to push forward on and that just ticked all those boxes and, yeah, like you said, we're not talking about button mushrooms or portobellos, we're talking about lion's mane, reishi, shiitake, you know, these mushrooms that have added benefits and because I studied physio, I could read the literature, uh, which is super boring and super like bland and dull, but it, you know, you just read the conclusion and it's like, it has all these potentials Yeah, wow. and there's thousands of articles from all around the world. So that part wasn't new. The part that was new was that no one was growing them in Australia. No one was extracting them in Australia. They were all imports and I guess the quality was questionable. Um, and you know, Australia is a great place to grow things. So why not? have our own Australian grown products. Wow. So what year was that when you started? We're in our eighth year now. Um, so I was around 27, 28. So, you know, from an entrepreneurial journey, you might say, oh, that's a bit late, you know, like compared to others. Yeah. Um, compared to now, you know, because people are coming out of high school going, oh, what, what business am I going to start? Yeah. What e-com Amazon shipping am I yeah, going to do? Yeah, but you wouldn't have had the skills that you learned from your physio to your mm. um, blood work work. Like mm. opportunity is only there if you've done the preparation for the opportunity to make sense everything arrives on time exactly for sure for sure and i don't feel like everything's aligned perfectly and I trust that perfectly and so yeah it gave that perfect background but so um, how do you start you find these few key mushrooms to start with like any good business starts yeah. youtube YouTube. YouTube, Google, you know, uh, did a four-year degree on physio, throw that out the window and just YouTubing how to grow mushrooms um, and connecting with a few a community around that. Started doing it at home at my girlfriend's uh, place as well and then doing it in her wine cellar because that was the perfect environment for mushrooms and failed many times as always. And then we just pitched at a, a crowdfunding event from a council, Fremantle Council in WA, which was a part of the city and they had a uh, sort of a match funding grant if you have a sustainable idea and we just pitched that and um, we got $30,000 and we had our own money that we put in and uh, and we left our corporate jobs um, and wow. got, in, got into growing mushrooms and yeah, super stressful. I should definitely be bald by now, you know, like the journey of entrepreneurship for most oh. people is pretty challenging and Bloody oath. and so yeah, we just went on that journey and, and uh didn't know what we didn't know, which is the best part, probably. Because if you did know how hard it would be, you'd probably say, oh, yeah, my pass. It's funny. I remember meeting when we were living in Byron was like my OG Good Human factory. I'm, I'm My first podcast, the Good Humans podcast, launched when we are in Byron, like the first week mm. we are in Byron. So, fun fact. <laughs> um, but yeah, that journey of like growing a business is like there's so many tosses and turns. So it can be really difficult. So, what was your guys' first product? What was your first offering when you... First went to market. We had, yeah. So the first part side of the business was a mushroom box where you grow mushrooms on your kitchen bench. Uh-huh. Um, as well as that, we had fresh mushrooms. So we were driving around dropping. No out. idea to do an extract at the no, start. No. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. is good for people starting a business to realize that business is all about starting and pivoting, yeah. not having the perfect idea. Yeah. We didn't know about, you know, lion's mane as a, as a health product in a liquid extract or a powder at that point. It was just more the thesis was, 
how do you feed the world sustainably? Eat more of these mushrooms. Yeah, eat mushrooms that you can grow at home. That also you can grow in, you know, small environments because we grew out of shipping containers. Mm -hmm. So we recycled shipping containers and grew mushrooms out of them. So we're like, okay, well, you can do that in any city in the world. So we sell like farmer's markets? Like we're selling to high-end restaurants. Okay. So this is like the best restaurants in Perth and good cafes. Oh, okay. Maybe driving around, pick the mushrooms, you know, in the gumboots, you know, type thing, and then put them in the cool room and then go drive them out to cafes or to, you know, high-end restaurants and growing like two, 300, 400 kilos a week, which is a lot of mushrooms. Wow. And that allowed us to cash flow the business because there was good margin in that. But it was a very time-intensive farming type yeah, role. Yeah. And so I guess part of it's like, this isn't scalable. You know, all roads lead to coals and woolies and having a huge facility, and that's probably not what we want to do either. Yeah. And again, looking at this, uh, the science in terms of, I guess, health products, um, you know, mushrooms, similar to that time CBD was coming out yeah. you know, in the US and as a health product and... Okay, well, let's look at mushrooms. And yeah, there was plenty of research for reishi, lion's mane, cordyceps. And so we had a chief scientist reach out to us from, oh, sorry, chief scientist. He was a third year biotechnology student from Paris. We got a lot of media early on, like, you know, back when Facebook organic virality used to happen and yeah. it just something would pop off. We had an ABC News thing that got, you know, a number of million views and a few others. And so we had all this attention. Um, which helped the business, and then we had a lot of people reach out wanting to get involved. And that was still people just buying mushrooms off you guys. Buying mushrooms, so we couldn't scale that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Someone yeah. in some random country saying, oh, you know, they couldn't actually... You know, and even couldn't. somebody in Sydney going, hey, we want the mushrooms for our restaurant. It's pretty exactly, hard. Exactly, facilities exactly, everywhere. exactly. So we changed pretty early out of that model, I guess, into health products and shelf life stable products. And we, yeah, we bring the science in deeper. So we were growing the mushrooms. We had a lab at that point, but then we went, okay, well, instead of picking these mushrooms and sending them to restaurants, let's make different strains and turn them into liquid extracts and into other products. And so that was the evolution, I guess, of what is called biotechnology, um, where we started to invest more in the science. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the science and like the biohacking side of stuff. Mm -hmm. Where, what are some of like the coolest things that you've sort of noticed about mushrooms that for one you've seen benefits in yourself or at least some of the testimonials that your customers have been seeing from using the yeah. products yeah it's, and it sort of circles back to that human performance part you know i was chatting to gilbert burns this morning he's preparing for a ufc fight in a couple of weeks and we're just talking about you know his routine with that uh and with the mushrooms and so we're back in that i'm back in that human performance environment or high performance environment and that biohacking environment and it's not just mushrooms for elite athletes you know pro surfers owen Wright, and many others that use the product many ufc fighters many other disciplines and codes but it's your everyday person who's you know a father a mother who's picking the kids up um this afternoon and it's 2 p.m and she's a bit tired doesn't want a coffee get the jitters take some cordyceps because once the kids come home and there's three of them plus their friends, it's the, it's busy mm. type thing and she doesn't want to be fading. So the mushrooms are perfect for, you know, many people in different, different environments. The, the older person who can maybe, you know, struggling with sleep or struggling with those elements or immunity or the people who are sort of younger students, you mm. know, who need to study, um, who don't want to turn to an energy drink like a V or a monster and, you yeah. know, have six of them in study week yeah. type thing. So, yeah, I guess it's just that mushrooms as part of biohacking is an amazing tool um, and it's natural. Well, they're just so easy. Like the drops that you have, anyone who's watching on YouTube will be able to see this in front of us. So there's little dropper bottles and, I mean, there's what, the six key ones. You've got lion's mane and I know because of TGA and stuff, you're not really allowed to talk too much about it. But the benefits that I've found that I have um, that I know everyone that I have put this on to mm. feel as well is the lion's mane is amazing for your focus and um kind of clarity in your mind then you've got your cordyceps which is for energy your shiitake which is your beauty one for your hair skin and nails i used to live with you so yeah, 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 you know, you know. <laughs> and then you've got the reishi which is amazing for calming your nervous system helping you sleep mm. um turkey tail great for your gut health mate like really good for settling your stomach and then chaga which is great for immunity too so mm. like between all of them you can kind of kind of get a benefit out of everything like do you recommend if people have that kind of pack that you do the what did the biohacker pack? The biohacker set, yeah, yeah, the biohacker set's the best one I think, just to grab them to try them all out and sort of yeah. get the feeling. But do you use every single one of them each day, pretty much? For sure, there's is value in all health products cycling. Yeah, you know, so having three weeks on, one week off, five days on, two days off, 
Um, this is going back to some of the research around pulsing. So, you know, there was a study done with resveratrol, which resveratrol is the ex an ex extract from, you know, a certain type of grape, really good for anti-aging. And they tried, you know, giving it to mice, not giving it, not giving any resveratrol to some mice, giving resveratrol every day to mice and giving resveratrol, which is a supplement to mice, you know, four days a week and three days off. And that was the nice. mice that had it four days a week and three days off lived much longer than the other two by about 20%. Uh -huh. And this is because, you know, your body gets accustomed to things. Yeah. And so we should mix it up, you know, keep it guessing. Again, yeah. going into the ice, fasting, these keep the body guessing. And by keeping it guessing, it stays activated. Mm. And so I guess with, with all health products, we should follow that you know, yeah. as a general rule. And I think it's just important, like stuff like a wrapper, like life cycle, these are all things that like, really like what not what do you have to lose but it's like sure both um a rapper and um life cycle you'd call them somewhat premium products but it's like what like you said at the start you're grateful for your health like what value do you put on your health if you're going to get one to three percent gains from using these products like why wouldn't you the amount of money we spend on stuff that absolutely has no value or has a net negative benefit or net negative value towards us yet we're willingly going paid 20 bucks a month or whatever for our netflix it's not really doing much for us but then when it comes to our health products we're like oh it's a bit expensive it's really about having that broader vision and that's mm. what i saw with with the athletes when i was working with them that were 13 14 15 the ones that went off and played for australia and went off and had major contracts and had success they had such a long-term vision they mm. knew at 14 that's what i want to do whereas the other kids who maybe in the talent bubble 15 in the talent bubble they weren't look, looking past next year mm. or they were just living in the moment and of course you know we hear a lot about mental health living in the moment super important but having a broader vision is important and i guess for all of us we should have that broader longer vision with our health mm. okay you know going to be a father one day, going to be a grandfather one day. You know, when I was on the podcast with Mark Boris last week, he's 67, and as we heard in the talk, he wants to live to 100. Yeah. He wants to be able to function with his grandkids, you know, and I'm sure there's probably not too many parents out there that don't want that. Yeah. Every parent wants that. So, okay, what are you doing today for that? Yeah. With what you're putting in your mouth, are you poisoning yourself or are you, you know, optimizing biohacking, if you want to call it that, mm. your health, so then you can be around for your grandkids and have yeah. a great time because, you know, that's an amazing thing to experience as a human. So I think we don't want to just, yeah, get in this mindset of that's what elite athletes do. We don't want to do it. You just got to really have that broader vision of, you know, like for you, for example, in 10 years, how do you want to be living? Mm. That's what I mean. You want to be switched on. You mm. want to like still have your brain capacity, like still growing and then yeah. having like different products or at least the awareness of it, I think is the biggest thing. And I know for you coming obviously from the background of um, sports science into understanding medical science, I mean, I guess both same kind of thing, yeah, but yeah. like biohacking science, you're big on not just obviously products, but also doing a lot of other stuff. So I think this is a good opportunity to sort of have a bit of a chat to you. What are a few of the key biohacking things that you do or like modalities i know you do ice baths sauna all this yeah. stuff do you want to go through kind of the few main ones you do and why from half science half for sure human background and i guess I that people... that learning for me sorry is that you know when i was at in the premier league you know we had every bit of kit that you could imagine you know 100k this 200k this 50k this all these little gadgets yeah. you know gadget type biohacking health pieces and then when i was in the uh, US, you know, working with different people at the start of life cycle, they had all the gadgets. And I guess for me now, personally, my personal idea is just you don't need the gadgets. You know, that's the complementary stuff. The base, if you don't have the foundational stuff right, then you know, don't, don't even buy an expensive pair of joggers. You know, yeah. like actually just go and ground in the park and run five sprints with mm. no joggers. And it, so the foundational stuff for me personally on a daily basis is grounding first thing in the morning. What, you know, we know that it decreases our inflammation. It decreases the charge within our body. Before we are chemical beings, we are electrical beings. So Let's we talk very, about grounding. I reckon most people probably don't know what grounding is. It's, yeah, I mean, I've spent five years in Barnes. So that's probably why I'm talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's probably why I learned about it, but it makes sense. No, but it is, yeah. So they've done scans to be able to show you pre and post grounding, which just means as simple as this, like putting your feet on the ground. And if yeah. we're in, both in Sydney last week, like if you imagine most people living in the city, living in an apartment, like, I don't know when they would ground, for yeah, example. They would go down the apartment, go to the gym, catch a bus, catch a train, go shoes to an on. office. The kids, you know, most kids put their shoes on when they leave home, go to school, yeah. shoes back off when they get home. It's yeah. like, yeah. since like, and there's a lot of great data now that shows like since the 50s, since like rubber sole shoes, so many like 
thing like mm. cancers and diseases have like skyrocketed mm. and yeah there's a lot of great stuff now that shows a lot of it's because yeah. people aren't touching the ground anymore and, and simply i just know that i feel way better yeah so if i the more i sort of i'm doing that each day the better i feel um so i'd say that's a, a great biohack early morning sun to regulate your hormones to regulate your chemicals to regulate your cortisol levels yeah. super important so again free yeah. um ice bath you know or cold shower is a non-negotiable each day for me um so those three things early morning fasting in the morning so i guess i try and tick off like you know am i doing five to ten things that are free mm. before i try and get fancy yeah before i try and do anything more and i've got plenty of supplements i've been given or you know used and i've got a whole drawer and cupboard of them and i don't really use any of it to be yeah. honest i use mushrooms i use a few other things um and that's about it. I don't want to be taking 10, 20, 30 things a day. Yeah. I'm, especially unless I'm doing these these core pieces. Yeah, the bare minimum. Like, yeah. like you said, grounding in the morning, cold shower, bit of sunlight in the eyes in the morning. Breath work. Breath work. Rem- reminded me of that last yeah. week. You know, I was doing that for many years and then I sort of, sort of fell off. You just, that happens. Yeah, you fall off things. And I think it's good that, that's why it's good to expose yourself to all these different modalities. And one might work for you for six months and it's great. And then it might slip off and you might find something else, but it's being open to different things and going, oh, that might work for me rather than, oh, no, breath work's not for me. Oh, I can't silence my mind. Meditation's not for me. I don't like the heat. I'm not going to do sauna. It's like quite often we need to do the things that we don't want to do if we want to, like we said. Joe Rogan had an amazing rant the other day about the ice bath. He's just like people were talking down to it. It's just like trying to get out of it in a way. Yeah. You know, in an honest way, because we know like as human, human we're talking about, there's no drug more powerful than an ice bath to have extended periods of dopamine. Mm. Like if it was a pill, if you could have this pill that gave you four to six hours of the dopamine levels you get, that happy hormone, that content hormone you get, chemical you get from an ice bath, there's nothing out there in the mm. science that can do that. So, but of course, that means you've got to go through, you know, two, the ice bath. Minutes, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's all those free things, I think, that are like foundational. And if we could all do those... You know, if if all of Australia or the world was doing those five things every morning, it would be a completely different, you know, world. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you said, all this stuff's free and it's doing the bare minimum and you go to the doctor now and say you're struggling with anything and they seem to have a very quick solution before they go, all right, are you doing the simple things like grounding each morning, bit of sun each morning, some breath work or some meditation, sitting still before like, I think the vast majority of people is wake up, check your phone, go through Instagram, get up, have a shower, grab a coffee, eat something unhealthy for breakfast, go to work. It's like, mm. and then we wonder why there's so many health problems. Yeah, but, yeah, and it just and it just requires that discipline, doesn't it? You know, to get up a bit earlier to do those things. For sure, there's mornings I don't want to do breath work and jump in the ice. You yeah, know, but you just you, you know on the other side you're gonna feel better. Yeah, so you do it. What else is there in that sort of free space? And the reason I just marketed it as free because it, it means that it's inexcusable if you yeah. don't do it. There's no excuse yeah. that you shouldn't be doing it. Maybe not every day, but most days. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel yeah. There's um there's so many of these like yeah, yeah. little ones that are just push free. up, twenty push ups, thirty push ups. Yeah, a bit of body weight, qigong, yoga, whatever it may be. Yeah. 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 I think just something's better than nothing. Most people are kind of struggling with anything but what's um the future looking for like for life cycle where you guys planning on taking it over the next Mm. year or two where do you see it going um yeah over the next little chapter yeah it's been a i guess so from yeah going into the extracts yeah because to to go sorry go to go back you guys have been like shouted out on joe rogan it's like Mm. it's a big deal life cycle for anyone who hasn't heard about (laughs) it i'll leave in the show notes my little discount code as well you can go check it out and um, grab some of your own, but yeah, where do you guys yeah, see it going now? I think now we're just after? getting started. Yeah, you know? me too. And the main thing is like, I just, I love it and the team love it. You know, we just, there's nothing we want to be doing. You know, mm. like Saturday morning, last Saturday, you know, Matt walks past, who we used to live with, Matty Boy, and um, and I live with now, he's, you know, my best mates. And it's 9 a.m. on a Saturday, he's like, what are you doing working? I'm like, this is actually what I want to be doing. Like, there's nothing else I so, want to be doing right now. Yeah. It's just, I sort of see it as my piece of art, you know, for, in terms of it's my canvas, it's my business, it's business that I've co-created with a number of people. And it's like, this is what we want to do. And it's, and it's providing a lot of value for humanity. So, yeah, I think that will drive the future of it, which is that success and passion for myself and a, a lot of the team and Tom and Will and Jono and Ryan and a bunch of people. So what does that mean for the future? It means a lot of innovation, 
Um, it means for us now, really, you know, I guess the focus is the US um, and we're having some really good success there, um, which is nice being an Australian brand, being, you know, going onto that world stage a bit more mm. um, and providing just the, the best product. So, yeah, if we keep focusing on making the world's best mushroom extract from a back-end scientific point of view, mm-hmm. and it markets itself, it sells itself. That's how Joe Rogan was speaking about it and a whole bunch of other podcasters. So, yeah, we're just sort of going on that journey now. Year eight, I still think, like, as a business is very young. You know, if I think of businesses that are on that global, you know, uh, pedestal, if you want to call it that, you know, they're, they're, you know, when I first time I heard of Airbnb, they were 12 years old. I was like, what? You know, yeah, wow. so they're longer than, they're older than you think they are like when you first years. 10 to 15 years. Yeah, is that, that 10 overnight success? Is that, is that overnight success exponential piece? So, yeah, innovation, um, more biohacking, more performance-related stuff. Uh, I can't give away too much, but yeah, an amazing product line coming and just just innovating and leading. And um, if we get disrupted by another brand that has a better product, then well done to them. Mm. And that's our fault. That's yeah. our problem. So that's sort of the standard is we want to disrupt ourselves. We want to you know, just keep innovating. So you guys, so athletes, so everyday people just are healthier. Yeah, live a better life. Yeah, well, man, so. good on you for going after something that... Oh, like your career went from like real focus on just helping the small community around you to working for Rio Tinto and helping that community, but now to be your own, you know what I mean, brand business and helping the vast massive audience that you do now. It's pretty cool, man. It's been um, it's been cool to like get to hang out over the last couple of years and it's been great to get to know your story a bit more this hour. Encourage anyone, if you've got a roommate or a best friend or someone who you've only known for a couple of years and haven't sat down and mm. sort of asked them about their life, you can learn a lot about someone and you can kind of learn, mm. I think, a lot about why people are the way they are and the context of the way they are from actually spending a bit of time and actually giving someone an hour to hear their story. So good so little one. True. So true. And it's I think, that, you know, even with, with time being you know, less and less available, you know, when you're running a business and stuff and things are happening, it's like those deeper, meaningful connections is really what I'm focused on now, you know, rather than I've got to have all these people in my life. It's just the quality people that I want to be able to help, mm. you know, and know what's on their mind and what's on their agenda and what their issues are. And I'm here as a brother, as a friend to help. Um, yeah. I think I get a lot of meaning out of that. I think everyone does. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously social media can sort of portray like you ought to be everyone to everything. Yeah. And it's gone probably completely the other way. And it's just like having really rich, meaningful, lasting relationships that are multi-decade. Mm. You know, there's nothing more richer than that. Yeah, absolutely. I think like relationships and friendships we form everything. We're very lucky to have such a great community of people who are all about trying to change the world and raise the consciousness. And I've been thinking about this concept lately, and I think you like this too, is we get in our own head that like, oh, we can't change the world. Like most people are like, oh, what, like picking up a bit of rubbish ain't going to change the world. But the concept I've been like playing with in my head, it's like you can't change the world, but you can change your world. With doing these little things like doing breath work each day, with doing um, grounding, with trying to find products that are going to make you a bit better, you might not change the world, but you will change your world and the world around you. Picking up a bit of rubbish might not solve the pollution problem we have, and might not change the world, but it'll change the world that you're in because you've picked up a bit of rubbish in your reality. So I think, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. and it's and it's compounding, and I'm sure you've exactly. got a story around that where, like, you know, you started, you know, doing one talk, doing two talks mm. a month or a year, and then now it's, you know, it's compounding. And I think we just got to have that, that long-term vision and zoom out. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many talks did you give last year? And how many? Yeah, you, yeah exactly. Well, that, that was like 2020 when I first started the business, mm-hmm. living with you guys. I mean, you saw it. I mean, it was COVID. There wasn't much going on, but I might have done one workshop that year. Then like 2021, once I'd moved out and I was living somewhere else, I think I might have done like 10 or 15 in 21. And then I think it was like 70 or like 60 or 70 in 22. And then, yeah, I don't know how many I'm going to do this year. So the ripple effect of that on a graph, you know, one... Five, 70 yeah exponential know, 200 but how many people are getting touched by those talks and then that ripple effect they're having that conversation at home yeah. and so on and so on and so yeah we can get sort of feared and negatived out with all the all the nonsense going on in different forms of media but it's just like just sticking true to that mm. small ripple effect yeah. everyone not only can have an impact but has a responsibility yeah it's actually a responsibility um just to be a good human <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. well man you're a bloody good human it's been epic getting to tell your story a bit more and get to catch up and 
I mean, it's always a pleasure when we get to catch up. We seem to have such great conversations and always go off on some skews that we didn't get to quite go off on today, but maybe we'll have, <laughs> we'll have another one where we talk about some other topics, which we chess. normally talk about. Over yeah, some over some chess. chess. But, man, the last question I do finish every Good Humans podcast is the same for everyone, so I'm going to ask you as well. What does being a good human mean to Julian Mitchell? I think it's loving yourself first and foremost, you know, like just having appreciation for yourself because that's a, that's a big issue for people, I think, mm. and I think hurt people hurt people. Mm. Um, and so if you're able to sort of heal whatever's going on through you and, and reconcile with your own and have, have uh, you know, good things to say about yourself, mm. then you'll have good things to say about other people. Yeah. But if you don't have good things to say about yourself, generally you'll project that onto other people. Very so well there's said. a responsibility there for us to, to you know, be kinder to ourselves. Yeah, bloody love that. <laughs> Very well put, mate. It's been um, an absolute pleasure. I'll leave in the show notes um, stuff to Lifecycle. I do have a discount code. I think it's Cooper10. It's from me a few years back. I still get my little conversion come through every now and then. But Let's get it to Cooper15. Let's get Cooper15. All right, sure. Cooper15. We'll change yeah. it to... Um, but yeah, mate, thanks so much for jumping on. Make sure you go check out the products. It'll all be in the show notes. You can go check out Lifecycle. It's... um. Yeah, another life-changing brand. And, mate, it's been great to catch up. Thanks well for jumping on. Well done with what you're doing, mate. The ripple effect is is getting there with hum- good humans. I know. It's been, um, it's been a bit of a journey since old Byron a couple of years ago <laughs> when we were just living the life. But, um, yeah, we've all gone off our own paths and seem to be kicking goals. So it's been good to catch up. Awesome, mate. Cheers, bros. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.